Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Yeah, I'm excited about the uh, Christmas Christmas Eve Eve. We had the uh, bad dad joke at our um, at our uh, our life group this last week. Is it's Christmas Adam because it comes before Eve. Wah, 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 wah. It's like combining a bad dad joke with a pastor joke. It's like the worst. Like that is absolutely terrible. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, anyway, for the last few weeks, uh, for the last few weeks, we have been uh, we've been looking at what we call the songs of Christmas. Um, we've been looking at these different prophetic songs that Luke records for us uh, in relation to the the first advent of Christ, the first coming of Christ. Um, we looked at Zachariah's song, the song of long-held expectations, and the first sign of God once more being on the move. Uh, we, uh, we looked at the song of Mary, this like robust song of surrender and praise to the Almighty King who will accomplish what he says he's going to do. And last week, Nick shared with us the angel song, a heavenly proclamation of the good news of grace available to all mankind that was literally breaking in to the kingdoms of, of men. We looked at the reality of the angel song lighting up the dark Middle Eastern sky with a declaration from the angel, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Fear not. Nick talked about how, obviously, and we've talked about this before, when angels show up, that's always the first thing that they say, and it's like, oh, okay, fear not, um, because they're terrifying. But it's actually not just fear not because they're terrifying. It's fear not, for I, for behold, we bring you good news. There's, there's, there's more than just the initial shock. There's the declaration of not, not, not being afraid. With that, we talked about the importance last week of just light and how when light dawns, it, it helps us to see clearly it. Helps us, uh, helps us not attack buckets and overalls hanging on clotheslines in the middle of the night in our backyards, right, Nick? <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to listen to last week. <laughs> uh, when the light comes, we can see things for, for what they are, but it does so much more than that. The light does so much more than that. The reality of Jesus' coming is declared prophetically in the book of Isaiah that Nick referenced again this morning, chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. This morning we look at the song of Simeon. It's a song of consolation and of seeing salvation. I have um, recently been reading a, a book by uh, Eugene Peterson. It's called Eat This Book. I don't know if anybody's ever read, read, read that, Eat This Book. Uh, by the way, I, I love reading broadly. I think it's really helpful to read lots of different voices, and, but I'm also a fan of finding an author that you want to dive deeply and read deeply. And you kind of, it's almost a way of kind of being mentored by that person. You really get to hear the, 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 uh, the thing that was given to that person by, by God. And, and Eugene Peterson is one of, those guys, one of those guys for me, and I've been kind of slowly going through a book called Eat This Book. <laughs> and it's a wonderful metaphor, wonderful metaphor, uh, about how we approach the scriptures. Um, and it's taken from, it's taken from the, the metaphor given to Ezekiel and, and to Jeremiah and to the apostle John, who are all told to like take the scroll and eat it. 
It's like such a visceral kind of uh, thing, right? Like take this book and eat it, chew on it, meditate on it, gnaw on it, get it into you. Don't just read it. Get it into you. One of the points that he makes so eloquently is that language is primarily oral. Language is primarily oral. Oral. Reading, uh, reading, though extremely important, it's not first in our development in our lives. It's actually second. What's first is speaking and hearing. This is a quote that says, we, we learn our language not from a book, not from a person writing words, but from a person speaking them. The written word has the potential, the written word has the potential to resurrect the speaking voice and the listening ear, but it does not insist upon it. Just because we have read it doesn't mean we have heard it. Just because we have read it does not mean we have heard it. This morning, we look at the song of Simeon. Simeon, whose name literally means he who hears. He who hears. As I was preparing for this this morning, I, mean, I couldn't help but see the connection to what Eugene was talking about. Eugene, right? I'm on a first name yeah. basis. <laughs> My buddy Eugene. Yeah. Uh, huge. He's huge. <laughs> can't, I, can't, I can't help. No. I, uh, anyway, Eugene was talking. It was, I, I couldn't help but I couldn't help but kind of connect the dots though to what he was talking about, and even literally what Nick was talking about this morning, and we talked about in our pre-gathering. Uh, pre-gathering prayer, that if you've, especially growing up in the church, around the church, these Christmas stories, ah, we read them, you know, it's kind of like uh, this, this time of year, they, they almost turn into these ornaments that we pull out of the box and dust off and hang on the tree, you know, like while we're setting up the nativity set. We, we, often, um, we often miss the spoken, the spoken word in the story. We, we, we listen to it, we read it, but do we hear it? You know, we don't get the impact of all that's being said if we don't allow ourselves to kind of chew on it and try to live in it and try to listen to the original, uh, to the original words being spoken. We miss, literally, we miss like this, the gut-moving, stirring wonder and excitement of these inner interactions. We don't feel our stomachs drop Uh, or the nervous butterflies set in that other people in these stories would have felt. We miss the voices in the background and the shuffling of things. We miss the animals, uh, you know, the the, the noise of animals, the the threshing of hay, the the wooden door creaking open, all of the things, the smells, like we miss all of it if we don't inhabit it and allow ourselves to inhabit the, the, the text. We miss the tensions in the room sometimes. We miss the, the expressions on people's faces if we just listen to the stories, if we just read through it quickly and check off a box instead of slowing down and thinking about, wow, what, what happened here? And what did this mean to them? And what did they think was happening? And like all of the emotions, this is an incredible thing that has happened in, in human history. If we believe, if, 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 if we're going to kind of understand, I think, this morning what 
um, this righteous and devout man named Simeon, is what the scriptures calls him. Um, if we're going to understand the very simple thing that he has to say to us, I think it would be really helpful for us to try to kind of enter into his world and try to understand where he's coming from. Um, yeah, Nick and I were talking at the beginning of just, I think one of the things that struck me this year more than most is how all of these stories and all of these prophetic songs are coming from, from, from these folks and they have like, they have like no idea what they're talking about. Like, we, we read it, and it's like, oh, yeah, they have, all, they have all this Pauline theology all worked out. They got all the rest. Of, no, they do not. They, they, there's a lot of confusion still coming for them. There's a lot of disillusionment still to, still to come. There's a lot of blown expectations. There's a lot of frustrations. There's a lot that they don't understand. And so it's helpful for us to just kind of be reminded of a guy named Simeon who is in Israel, who is devout and righteous, waiting for the consolation, waiting for the consolation, the restoration of Israel. If we go back, okay, I'm just going to take us back really, really quick and do a little bit of like a summary because to put ourselves in his shoes, we've got to remember that he has a national identity. He has stories that he's living with, that he remembers, that come from his parents and his grandparents and their grandparents and their grandparents that extend, that form an identity that he himself has inherited. Simeon remembers that his people were once personally delivered by the creator of the heavens and the earth. They were a disillusioned class of slaves in Egypt. There was nothing impressive about them except that their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had chosen them and had set his affections on them. Simeon remembers how God heard the cry of his people. He once heard the cry of his people and miraculously rescued them from the oppression of Egypt. He remembers those stories, celebrates them all the time. He remembers how his father's were led by God through the wilderness miraculously for 40 kind of really difficult years before Joshua led his people across the Jordan and into this land of promise. Simeon has inherited these stories and these dreams and these desires and these hopes and these tragedies. He's inherited all of them. He remembers that God did what he said he would do and established them in the land, drove out their enemies, and eventually chose a king for them, David, the shepherd king. Simeon remembers that God blessed David and expanded him and settled him and gave them peace. He remembers the ghost of what a good king is like. In his distant memory, He's not experienced it. It's in his identity. It's in his bones. It's in his stories. It's in his hopes. He remembers that the son of David, uh, the son of David, Solomon, established worship in the temple, established the worship in the temple, and the temple was filled, filled with the glory of God. Moved from temporary residence to permanent residence in the center of their life. God had become Emmanuel, God with us, in the temple, in Jerusalem. We get to go there. 
We get to worship him. We get to draw near to him. We get to sacrifice to him. All of these things, that's in, that's in Simeon's memory. But he also remembers the stories of Israel's sin. He remembers the stories of their failure. He remembers that under the surface, there are problems. They can't keep the law of God. They keep turning to the other idols and gods of, that are surround them. They run away from their rescuer. Their enemies begin to claw back and God allows it. Simeon and some people remember the loss of Jerusalem. Remember being sent out into exile and into punishment. The loss of hope, the grief. How could this be? The, all the questions of why, how. Yet God does not leave them. Simeon knows full well that there were prophetic voices that reminded them that God had a plan for them and he was not forsaking them. That one day a son of man will come, a root of Jesse, a son of David, and he will be established forever and will establish the kingdom of Israel forever. Simeon remembers that his people were eventually allowed to return to the land and under the decree of a foreign king, a remnant and a remnant tried to rebuild and restore what was lost. Simeon remembers the stories of, of, of their return and how they reestablished a little bit of worship in the center of Jerusalem. But they were still under foreign rule. They were still under foreign rule. Simeon inherited these stories, the felt experiences of his great-grandparents and grandparents who saw one empire rise and another fall and things not really change for his people or even get worse. Until finally, a man named Judas Maccabeus led a Jewish revolution that led to the establishment of a Jewish kingdom for the first time in countless generations. There was this sense in, in, in Simeon's great-grandparents' day and great-great-grandparents' day that this was it. This is it. Like, we're throwing off, our, our, we're throwing, this is like return to the days of David. Maybe God is finally on the move. This is, this is happening. This is, this, 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 is, this is what we've been long waiting for. Only for sin to rear its head and politics to get involved and Rome to come crushing through. Peace cast aside. Disillusionment. And by the way, this was only about 150 150 years before Jesus was born. And the empire that I just talked about, it ruled for about 100 years, and it, it came to an end about 60 years before Jesus was born. So Simeon may have been born at the end of that empire. It's not a distant, distant memory of this hope of the restoration of Israel, the consolation of Israel, the reestablishment of all that we had hoped for, and it was dashed, da dashed aside. This is this national identity that Simeon holds. When he's sitting and waiting for the consolation of Israel, he is waiting for the restoration of God Almighty to establish Israel once and for all and to deal with their sin. How long, God, are you going to let this happen? These questions come up in their, in, in, in their minds. How long must we sit in our sin. How long do we have to deal with this? This is the backdrop 
for our song. This is the backdrop for this story. This is Simeon's mindset. We turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the King. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the, when the parents brought in the child to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is to be opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. If uh, you're taking uh, notes this morning, you're a note-taking type of person, the, uh, the name of this is actually Seeing Salvation. And I want to focus on three very simple things that are, that, are, that are found in this passage. Three simple things. The first is that salvation has a name. The second is that salvation is comprehensive. And the third, it is not easy. Salvation has a name. His name is Jesus. Salvation is in him. The scene is totally set, right? We're at the temple. Mary and Joseph have Jesus, and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're, they're there to follow the law and, 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 and do, their, do their customs. There's nothing unique and special about them. Like, I want you to get that, in your, get that in your head. They're just two people showing up to do what all these other people are here to do. They're moving through the temple, and there's not like a giant sign that says, the Messiah is <laughs> following them around, right? It's, it's not, that's, not, that's not it. They're moving through the crowd, and then Simeon, who's, who's hanging out, waiting for the consolation of Israel, moved by the Holy Spirit, spots them through the crowd. And there's something in him, by, 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 by the Lord's leading, it's like he locks eyes on them and he, he begins to approach them. Now, <laughs> there must have been something, as Simeon's kind of making his way through the crowd, like staring at them, there must have been something in Simeon's approach that kind of let Joseph 
and Mary know that this was kind of okay? Because that's a little bit weird, right? If we're, if we're like a, a, some random guy just walks up and asks to take your baby. Like, that's a kind of a strange thing. I mean, can I get away? Like, that's a little bit strange. So he's making his way over, and I just, I don't know, I, I picture as he's approaching, there must have been something in the way that he looked. I'm, I'm imagining just like maybe the tears welling up in his eyes. The Holy Spirit is upon him. He's seeing this baby, this child, and just approaching with a sense of wonder. God is saying to him, this is it, Simeon. This is it. This is him. This is who you have been waited for. You can part in peace. This child is him. And I can just imagine a man waiting his whole life to see this baby and approaching and holding his hands out and looking at the mother and looking at the father and starting to praise God. Mary and Joseph had seen a lot of weird stuff. So... Uh, old man approaching like that and starting to praise God, I think they're kind of like, I, 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 we're just going to go with this. I don't know what this is, but we're going to go with this. And Simeon takes the baby and he picks him, he picks him up. I remember very distinctly the first time I held my two kids. There was this sense of awe and wonder at who I was meeting for the first time. What was packed into their little lives. Who would they become? What would they be like? What would they accomplish someday? Psalm 139 records the reality of God knowing what is locked inside of each one. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you the days of my life, all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Psalm 139. The baby Simeon is holding was packed inside with salvation. The long-awaited promise is finally here, and it is this child, this person. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the child. He's here. It's in him. The second thing about salvation having a name is that it, it's personal. Not only is it it's in him, but it's also personal. Of course, you know, Jesus accomplishes things for us, his actions, his life, all of this make our redemption possible. But these things flow from who he is. The reality that salvation is Jesus himself means that this whole thing is relational and personal. Salvation is not a random act of kindness on God's behalf. 
It's not a half-hearted and impersonal chore on God's cosmic to-do list because he has to clean up our mess. No, salvation is rooted in his heart and his love for us. And not just the collective us, for you. Jesus tells us plainly in John chapter 6, verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Let me say that again. (laughs) All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, had this to say about this verse. We do not come to a set of doctrines. We do not come to a church. We do not even come to the gospel. All of these are vital, but most truly, we come to a person, to Christ himself, this child, the hope the world. If you don't know Jesus or you're unsure of God's existence in all of this stuff that we're talking about, I'm telling you, there is an entire room of people here, entire room of people here who could sit down with you and tell you their personal story that could say to you, my eyes have seen the salvation of God. I want you to pause just for a second, just for a second. And I want God to take you back to the moment that he first said your name and first called you. Just, I'm just going to give you a second. My eyes have seen his salvation. And it's personal. It's also his presence. I have this very clear memory from my childhood of how the presence of Jesus comforts, stills us, and literally changes everything. I, uh, I, was, uh, I was probably somewhere around the age of, somewhere between my son and my daughter's age, maybe nine, uh, maybe eight, nine years old. And uh, I have... I just, it's really this vivid, this vivid memory of waking up, waking up one night in my bedroom. I shared a, I shared a room with my little brother, um, and uh, my bed was closest to the door, and where my head was, I, I, I could, if I positioned myself, I could see down this long, narrow hallway that we, that we had in our, in our house. And I woke up, and it was really, I don't know what time it was, everything was dark, everything was still, and I, I just, I just remember being afraid. And I was peering down that long, dark hallway. And man, the longer I looked, the more I was sure stuff was moving. <laughs> stuff was coming after me. Stuff was floating. I, 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 I remember, I can remember the, the, the sound of my heartbeat because my head was on my mattress and my chest, I could hear my heart like do, 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 do. I was frozen, solid. I, 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 I must have been there for a really long time. And I remember kind of curling over and rolling over and acting like I was asleep because I was sure things were coming to get me. 
And, and I, I, I remember I couldn't even say something to my, my little brother who was, who, who was uh, in the bed next to me. And I remember looking over and I, there was a closet on that side. And, and uh, I remember the wall kind of bending. It looked like it was bending. And my trophies, I had baseball trophies that are on top of the dresser and the little bats were like doing this. I'm not even like, I was just like, and, and we, had these, uh, we had these shelves in one corner of the room where it created like this really dark corner and I was positive, I saw two eyes like staring at me. I was there, it felt like days. I was frozen solid, I did not know what to do, and I finally, because this was not a normal occurrence for me, but I finally, finally worked up enough courage to jump up in the classic thing, run to mom and dad's room, and I went and I grabbed my mom. And I remember my mom, uh, again, this is not a super occurrence, I wasn't like the kid that was like, hey, something is under my bed, this was not like a normal thing. Um, I, I remember her walking me back to the room and tucking me in, sitting on the bed, placing her hand on my head and praying the peace of Jesus Christ over me. It's really distinct in my head. I realized what I think Simeon, in a sense, realized in that moment as a little, as a little guy, that uh, salvation is a person, and his presence makes all the difference. I remember, I fell right asleep. I fell right asleep um, when my mom just prayed for the peace of Christ over, over me and that the fear would stop. His presence changes everything. Salvation has a name, and his name is Jesus. He doesn't just hand us a flashlight and tell us good luck. He doesn't flip a switch and patronize us about what we're being afraid of, saying that there's nothing there. Jesus knows that sometimes Fear is just fear and there's nothing there. But he also knows that we have real enemies. Sin, Satan, and death. And they are too strong for us. But they are not too strong for him. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He dwarfs the things that we fear. And he overwhelms them. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Simeon saw clearly what I experienced that night. Salvation has a name. Salvation is also comprehensive. Salvation is also comprehensive. Simeon says this, For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. It's literally a blessing for all. It's available to all. It's this comprehensive promise that is open and, and, and available to all people. God created humanity, and it's all of humanity that he wants to bless. We see this clearly in the covenant that God made with Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and I will dishonor, uh, I will dishonor those uh, that, that dishonor you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, that promise that God from the very beginning was up to the whole family, coming after all of us. No one is beyond reach. As many as received him, to them he gave uh, the permission to be called, uh, the power to be called uh, sons of God, children of God. This morning, if you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, that we're talking about, there is power available to you. There's a God who loves you and wants to know you. It's, it's, any of us would love to talk to you about that, to introduce you to him. This salvation is for all people, but it's also to deliver us from darkness. There is great darkness in the world. The Bible's quite clear that life without God can get pretty dark. I mean, we just, uh, we just finished the uh, Judges series, and that's kind of like one of the big points. If you were tr- trucking along with us in, in, the, in the Judges series, as, as we divert and go away from God, things can get kind of dicey, right? There's a lot of things that, that, that happen in the world. The idea of sin and moving away from God. There's this reality that God himself is the most real thing, you know, that, that God and his kingdom are reality, and sin is like a, it's like an anti-reality. It's like light has substance to it, and darkness is just the absence of it. It's the opposite. It's the anti-substance. It's not, it's, it's in a sense not there. Chapter eight, uh, chapter eight of Isaiah, Isaiah kind of speaking, uh, speaking of of, uh, of 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 this. He says, "If if they will not speak, so that, sorry, let me back up." Isaiah chapter nine, which, which I've referenced a few times about people seeing a great light. If you actually walk back a little bit farther into into chapter eight, before we get to that kind of wonderful Christmas passage that, that we've quoted, he actually talks to you about how dark it is. You actually get a picture for how dark it is. And so I just want to read, I just want to read that to you. It's uh, chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have, they, the, all the people, they have no dawn. There's no light. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God, and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Thick darkness. A few verses later, but the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. The salvation of God is comprehensive and it delivers us from darkness. Jesus would deliver Gentiles from their darkness into the substance of his kingdom. They would grow in the knowledge of God and become a people who were not, 
who once were not a people. Part of the idea of what light brings to us, this comprehensive salvation, is the knowledge of God. Those of us who are, I'm a Gentile. I, I, I am not related to the Jewish people whatsoever. And if you are, you actually stand as a testimony, in a sense, to this, to, to, to this being fulfilled. That I understand who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of David, I understand who he is because Jesus has made him known to me. He has delivered me from darkness and given me revelation, revelation to the light for, for, of, uh, for, for, for the Gentiles. Again, many of us in this room are that, that living proof for, for that as well. But it doesn't just deliver us from darkness. It doesn't just kind of um, forgive us for, for, for our sin. It deals with our shame as well. It's not, it, it, it also removes the shame. And you see that in, in, what, uh, in what Simeon says uh, about Israel. He says that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Glory is, a, uh, glory is an interesting word. Um, it's a wonderful word. It means weight. It's a, like a weighty presence. Uh, the idea of being honored um, Israel, Israel would no, not be the tail. Israel would be the head. You know, like there was an honoring that was happening uh, in, 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 in what Jesus was doing. He wasn't just forgetting his people, Israel, and starting over. He wasn't just pushing them aside, although he had every right to. God would remain faithful and would still fulfill the promises that he had given to Israel, even at the same time turning on the lights for all of the Gentiles. He would honor Israel. And for all who become a part of Israel, the shame of the disgrace is removed and the honoring of being at the front of the table, having a seat next to the king, is bestowed upon us. It is bestowed upon, it is bestowed upon Israel. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 19 says, I will change, this is God speaking to the children of Israel late in their development. He says, I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. To all of us, we have received the promise that whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. First Peter tells us that. Shame and honor is a really big deal. I don't know if you, like I grew up here in the western country, I didn't really... I didn't really grow up with that. I grew up with, like, if you do something wrong, you pay the time. Like, it's guilt and innocence. Like, if I don't, if, I, I feel guilty. But shame and honor is, is, is literally kind of the, 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 the cultural, uh, you know, milieu that the, the Bible is literally written in. The idea that, that God would not just forgive us for what we've done, but he would restore honor to us and weight to us. He would help us. He'd restore face. You ever, you ever hear that phrase like, I don't want to lose face with someone? Yeah? God would give us a face. He would, he would restore to us what, we've been, what we lost, what we weren't even due. The fact that we get to sit with Christ at his table. The fact that he invites us to follow him. The fact that he wants to use us and partner with us. Like, it's crazy. But this is the heart of our king. It doesn't just forgive us. He welcomes you in, brings you in, 
wants you in, not just to forgive you. He wants you. Like, that's a big deal. So it's not just, not just turning on the lights and getting us out of our mess. It's also to establish us in glory with him. He's, it belongs to him, but somehow he invites us into it. That's crazy to me. He, devoids, he, 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 uh, he uh, divides the spoils. Isaiah 53 talks about the, the suffering servant. As the suffering servant would conquer, that he actually shares all of the riches from his conquering with us. That's, it's just mind-blowing. Mind the last thing, the third and the final thing this morning that we see, though, from, from this song is that salvation won't be easy. Simeon's words don't end with his song. Picture it with me again. Go back to that temple moment. He's holding Jesus. He's declaring all these things. He's praising God. And as his words kind of come to a close, as he finishes, he turns to look at Joseph and Mary. He blesses them. He prays over them. His smile and the wonder on his face starts to drop. His countenance may be a bit more serious. His eyes settle on Mary, and he shares the other side of the coin. He hints at what's to come. He tells them salvation will have a price. It will bring conflict. It's not going to be easy. A sword will pierce Mary's soul before it's all done. Quote, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. This sounds like bad news, and there is a part of it that is bad news, but there is good news in that bad news. You might be wondering, Sean, what the heck are you talking about? Well, first, it is bad news because we find out there's no magic wand. This is not a fairy tale. There's no easy button. If you're Mary and Joseph, you've already seen and been through a lot. But Jesus is here, and all of these amazing things are happening. Mary gets to ponder all of them in her heart. Jesus is going to be the king. God is with us. God's with him. He's with us. That means everything's just going to line up and work out. It's, whew, I'm sure glad he's here. What could possibly go wrong? This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. It's go time. Like, I know he's got to get a little older, but once that's happened, we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're, we're good to go. But that's not what he does. He's not going to snap his fingers and just make it all better. He comes to be with us in our world, in our lives. He's not just going to brush over the difficulty. And that is actually why there's good news in the bad news. Because he's the one who knows how to win by losing. He's the one who knew how to conquer death by dying and raising again. He is truly Emmanuel with us. The good news in the bad news is that because he didn't just snap his finger, he can sit with you in your questions. He can sit with you in your difficulties. There's nothing he is afraid of. 
There's nothing that he won't do for you. We have a great high priest who is acquainted with all of our ways. When you're opposed, when you're misunderstood, he gets it. When you feel forsaken and forgotten, he knows. He is the one who cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When your sin crowds in and you think you're going to drown in your guilt and your, I can't believe I did that again. When you think you're unlovable or you don't know what to do with the abuse or the sickness that you have suffered or those who are suffering that you know and you love and you have so many questions and you have no answers. You have a savior who will suffer them with you. You have an Emmanuel, God with us, who has conquered. He says to you and to me, in this life, you will have trouble. I think we get duped. I'll, I'll speak for myself. I, you know, I, I'm fortunate I live a pretty comfortable life, right? There's, uh, all, we're very fortunate to live where we live. We deal with difficulties, for sure. But I think we get duped. I think we get duped often. The reality is this, this life is not it. There's one beyond it. That is, that is the real thing. And making this one perfect is not the goal. It's not the goal. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus died early. He died early, guys. He didn't come in and do what all these people thought he was going to do, including Simeon. What he did was far better far richer, far more important. When we don't know what God's up to, God understands. When we have questions, sometimes he doesn't give you answers, but he gives you a person. He'll sit with you. He knows what it's like. The God who bleeds. (laughs) This is not Zeus. This is not Aphrodite. This is none of those gods that could care less about human beings. This is the God Almighty who stepped down, was born in a dog bowl, I think is what Nick called it the other day. I was like, yeah, dude, that's so true. Like in a, in a trough to sweat and to experience frustrations and cold nights and difficulty making bread to ultimately die a horrible death because he loves you and he loves me and he is doing what he knows he, he, he's doing what he knows he's, he is building his kingdom and one day it'll all make sense he's Emmanuel God with us he is our salvation and he has a name Jesus Amen Sorry, Ben, you guys, <clears throat> I got to go in there and actually, I'll just pause while they're, while they're, while they're coming. <sighs> Lord, um, I want to say thank you. 
I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for how you, um, you come to each of us. I want to thank you for the reality of what you have accomplished for us, but I want to thank you even more so that you have called us to be with you, that you have asked us to follow you. I pray, Lord, today, this morning, and this Christmas season that we'd hear you. I pray for each person here, each brother and sister that is here in this room that maybe has questions, maybe they're dealing with really difficult things right now. Maybe they're even dealing with the reality of their faith and it faltered. Jesus, you're even the one who knew how to pray for your friends whose their faith was faltering. You prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. And you pray for your people. You're at the right hand of the Father interceding for us now. I pray for each person here that needs to hear your voice this morning, for them to hear you, for them to hear you interceding in the next room for them praying by name for their life, for their struggle, for their hopes. I pray, God, that you would help us to see you, help us to hear you, that may, we may respond appropriately. In Jesus' name. us. One of the privileges that we have is not only that He is with us, but He instituted a tradition to remind us uh, that He is with us. And uh, that tradition is what we call communion or the Lord's table. And uh, if you are a Jesus follower, I want to invite you to go to the table and to take the elements and to come back to your seat and we'll take communion together. We hold in our hands something that is representative of Jesus' presence. We don't believe that this is literally physically His body and that this is literally physically His blood, but there is something unique um, about the Lord's Supper that Jesus says that when we take the Lord's Supper, that He is present with us, Emmanuel, God with us, He is here. Uh, won't you stand with me? Uh, Jesus, this month we are celebrating uh, the historical fact of God becoming man, humble, restricted to be with us. You were not some presence. Uh, you were not some ethereal sense. You were a man who walked on this earth in a body. And you broke that body on the cross for our wholeness. We eat this in remembrance of you.
Jesus, you knew that we needed more than just your presence. We needed a way to deal with the sin that separated us from our Father. And the penalty that was necessary was blood, the sacrifice of an unblemished lamb. And we take and we drink this in remembrance of the blood that you shed for the remission of our sins. reminded me as we spoke in the gathering the pre-service pre-gathering prayer sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend this God with us with this God that is so transcendent and sometimes it's hard for us to also comprehend the reality that Jesus is with us in our mess but in a moment Jesus can break us out of that mess so I want to pray for two groups of people this morning, specifically those that are wanting just a sense of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with me in the midst of what I'm walking through. There's a sense of faith that you know that this is something that you have to walk through and you just need to know that, that He is there, His presence is there. But I also want to pray for those of you in that moment where you're like, God, I need you to show up in a dramatic way because that is also something that you promised. Wonderful counselor, yes. Prince of peace, yes. Mighty God, mighty God. And I need some of that mighty God this morning. I'm in this situation and I know you're with me, but I need some breakthrough. And so to my left, to your right, are going to be men and women we trust to pray for you, specifically in those two areas. Jesus, I need to sense you walking with me in the midst of this. Jesus, I need you to break me out of this area. I'm going to pray and land us. They're going to continue to sing one more song. But I, I want to encourage you not to leave without knowing that you can experience Emmanuel with you through his body, the church, as we pray for one another. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness, your kindness that runs after us. I want to thank you that as we, as we stand here remembering your birth and also your death and resurrection, uh, that we are seated in heavenly places with you in this moment. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters that need to know the presence of Jesus walking with them through a difficult time. I want to pray right now that they would know that. And I want to pray for them, those that need a breakthrough in an area. God, I've seen you do it in my life and in many others, where in one moment it was this and in another moment it was that. Mighty God, you are able to do these things. And I pray in your name and for your glory, that as we walk through the rest of this week, it would be just with a sense of openness to what your Spirit is doing in us, but also through us, as we can be used as those that others can experience Jesus with them. Be with us this week, I pray, in your name. Let's go out there and be the church.
Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.